I fell off. Oh. And I landed onto my head on some concrete, literally like diving into a pool with no water and split my head open and had a traumatic brain injury, losing spinal cord fluid and uh, gray matter oozing out of my ears. And I mean, I was, I was almost dead. Hello, this is Dr. Diva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I am joined with Steve Jordan. Steve Jordan has been a health and fitness professional for 23 years. He started this career at the White House in 1997 and has since been at the top of his profession. Steve owns a private health and fitness center in Beverly Hills where he coaches top-level business executives, celebrities, athletes, and all who are committed to living with health and fitness as a priority in their lives. He shared his remarkable story and knowledge on NBC's Today Show, The Dr. Oz Show, The Tyra Banks Show, Men's Fitness, Fitness Self Magazine, and on his podcast, I Am Healthy and Fit. His personal story will inspire you, and his practical strategies will empower you to pursue greater joy, meaning, and gratitude in your life. Steve has conducted health and wellness retreats for The Rob Report and Canyon Ranch. He has also lectured for universities and large companies, including the University of Maryland, William Morris Endeavor, and Paramount Studios. He has a podcast called I Am Healthy and Fit with over 40,000 listeners in two years. In 2003, Steve trademarked Posture Perfect and was the first person to introduce a home posture program using a foam roller. His program was so innovative for the times that men's fitness featured him and his program, which was the first time foam rollers was seen for the masses. Steve, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm great, Dr. Diva. Thanks for having me. Hearing that read by somebody else is, is kind of cool. I haven't heard that in a while by somebody else reading it to me. Well, I'm glad. So thanks. I'm glad. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. And uh, you have some very interesting accolades. And I really want to jump right into that about your story. You have an awesome story to share about how you got into fitness. And gosh, you've been in the White House and also featured in, in men's business fitness with the foam roller and foam rollers are pretty much a mainstay of working out now. You see that in gyms, you see that in hotels and actually there are certain hotels that actually will have a foam roller in your hotel room. So talk to us about your story. I'm really curious and and I think the listeners will be really honored to listen to you to how this all came to fruition for you. Sure. Well, I've always been an active person. I'll, I'll start there. You know, fitness really was a part of my lifestyle as a kid. My dad had like weight bench in our basement and uh, we had a, a garage with a, an extra room off of it. And he had a universal gym in there. And those of you who are around my age and mid forties, I know what a universal gym is. It's like the one piece that had everything, the bench, the squat, the pull downs, the, you know, the triceps. And, you know, my buddies and I, when we were young, probably 10 years old, 11 years old, we would just play around in there. You know, we'd, you know, see who could lift the most or see who would push the most and, and do whatever. But there was really no like form or rhyme or reason. We would maybe see a magazine in the, in the local community store where, you know, some of the 
the bodybuilders of the time were working out and we would just, you know, we would just have fun with it. But it was always something that I was attracted to. And then I got into sports, you know, I, I mean, again, I was always into sports, but I got more focused in the sports in my, I guess, middle school. Uh, it was about six, sixth grade. I guess you're, I guess around 12 years old around that time. And so, you know, I wanted to be better at football. I wanted to be better at lacrosse. I wanted to be better at wrestling. And so I ended up, you know, starting to work out when I was probably about 14 years old, 13 years old to get stronger and to be better and better, you know, in sport and, you know, be better at my opponents so that I would be a starter. And I didn't really, you know, understand what I was doing. I just did it. I just moved my body and did whatever felt right. And it was cool. You know, it was something that we just felt good about, but I never thought of it ever being a profession. I never thought of it as a profession. I just thought it was something that you did. And uh, it wasn't even a way of life, you know, back then. I grew up in Jersey and people in Jersey are kind of known for their want to look good in the <laughs> summer because everybody, you know, in Jersey lives for the beach and lives to go to the, you know, the shore, the Jersey shore. And so, you know, I think maybe there was some influence. But then I, uh, you know, I just saw it being a really great component to performance in, in, in high school, especially once I got to like my junior and senior year, where I was now excelling in, you know, lacrosse and football, and I was captain of my teams and had all state honors. And I just was becoming a lot more focused and recognized with the possibility of playing in, in college. I decided, you know, the exercise was now to like perform and to really you know, up, get up my game in the sports that I was good at so that I could potentially get a scholarship or play in college. So that became a different focus and a why. I did go to college to play lacrosse, but I didn't go to college to the college that recruited me. I ended up going to the University of Maryland, which is, you know, the game of lacrosse. They are usually in the top five teams in the NCAA Division One. They are awesome. They're great. Uh, it was a reach school for me as far as this, as far as the sport was concerned. And then I chose that school because it had a lot more, I, I just enjoyed the, the campus and the environment. I, I, you know, the other schools I got recruited to that I would have played at just didn't excite me as much as the campus and the environment as University of Maryland did. And I'd always been someone who wanted to just like reach for the stars. I'd always been somebody who'd like you know, was never willing to just settle with mediocrity. I always wanted more. So when I got a, a letter back from the coach and said, I can't give you a, you know, a scholarship, but we'll, if you walk on, we'll give you a great look and there could be a good opportunity for you, you know, if you walk on. So I saw that as a, as a positive and I, and I went for it. But something derailed my dreams and hopes of playing lacrosse. And this is where the kind of the juicy part of my story comes in. I was visiting a friend down at Johns Hopkins University who played football for Hopkins. And uh, it was a short drive, 30 minutes from University of Maryland. And I went down there and uh, after the game, we were hanging out at his fraternity house and partying and having a good time. And we were on a balcony, two-story balcony. And uh, I was kind of roughhousing, doing what, you know, 19-year-old kids do at a, you know, kind of a jock fraternity, you know, showing, showing off a little bit. And I fell off oh. and I landed onto my head onto the concrete, literally like diving into a pool with no water and split my head open and had a traumatic brain injury, losing spinal cord fluid and uh, wow. gray matter oozing out of my ears. And I mean, I was, I was almost dead. 
I fortunately was in a good place because I was in Baltimore near Johns Hopkins. I was rushed to the University of Maryland Shock Trauma Center. You know, the fraternity there, my friend is now a, a, a orthopedic surgeon who went there. But, you know, these were all, you know, kids that were wanting to be doctors. And I think I got some really good care initially, <laughs> yeah. you know, once I, once they, you know, once people had, you know, come to my, to my aid. But once the ambulance got me, they took me to the University of Maryland Shock Trauma Center where I had to undergo emergency brain surgery to save my life and to uh, save my brain, you know, and however that looked. You know, they didn't even know what kind of brain damage I could have, have suffered, but they needed to go in. So they, you know, cut my, cut my brain open, cut my skull open and, you know, helped to relieve some of that pressure and, and fix up my, uh, I guess, I don't even know what they did to fuse where I was losing spinal cord fluid. And, you know, basically just they repaired me. Uh, but it was a six hour brain surgery. And uh, I came out of that. I was in a coma induced state for four days and intensive care for two and a half weeks. And I don't remember almost two weeks of my life. It's very vague memories, just little, maybe certain parts of it. But it was a, a very trying and troubling time. I had no idea how I had gotten there. I don't remember the fall. I just only know from hearsay. And uh, it ended up becoming a three and a half month process in the hospital in Baltimore, staying there and undergoing a lot of tests and procedures and things that I you know, had never imagined I would have had fallen victim to but I was in it and I had to make a choice. And one evening I remember the doctors, or it was one afternoon, the doctors came into my room, the neurosurgeon and the ENT. This was about three weeks after the initial surgery, once I had stabilized and I got out of the intensive care unit and they said, Steve, we need to do another brain surgery. You have what's called Bell's palsy, facial paralysis due to a crushed facial nerve. From the impact of your fall, that nerve is damaged. And as you notice, you can't talk out of the left side of your face, your left side, your eye doesn't close. And we're going to have to put a gold weight underneath your eye to close your eyelid. And it was true. Like when I went to sleep at night, like my eye stayed open, like I had no control over the whole left side of my face. And I just was like, holy moly, like this is nuts. And they told me the risks and the, you know, the benefits. They were hoping to, they were going to replace, they were going to take my peroneal nerve and I know maybe some of your listeners or doctors are in that, in that area. So I'll talk, you know, a little bit of uh, terms here, but the peroneal nerve is down near your calf and they were going to take that nerve and replace it and put it into my facial nerve and um, hope for 50% regeneration. That's all they were hoping for. And it was a very time sensitive surgery because the longer a nerve is impaired or da damaged or dulled, the likelihood of it restoring or having a reconnectivity is is unlikely. And this is, I mean, this is a very risky procedure, procedure. to do a nerve replacement, nerve replacement. And, um, you know, of course I, I didn't want to look deformed or the way that I looked. And so, I mean, if, you know, my family and I verbally agreed to it, but the next day we were going to go to the hospital, uh, or go to their offices just outside the hospital wing there and talk further more about it and, and schedule the surgery. So that night, I, I don't know what came upon me, you know, Dr. Diva, but I looked into a mirror. I was the only mirror in my room. You know, you're in a, you've been in a hospital room. You know, you had, I was in a single room. I had a bed and then the sink next to the bathroom, which was outside. I stared into that mirror and I looked in and I saw somebody I didn't recognize. I saw mm. somebody with a head the size of a basketball. I had over 100 staples and stitches in my head that sewed my head together like a horseshoe around my head on the left side 
I had a, a, a laceration through my eyebrow from the brow of my nose all the way through the eyebrow on my right eye. So I had like 39 stitches through there. Sewed that up and my just my face was deformed because I couldn't move, couldn't move my whole left side of my face. I give people the analogy. I felt like I looked like that sloth in that movie yeah. Goonies. Yeah. If you ever saw Goonies, that's how I looked. Like I was deformed. I was crooked. I had, you know, just a, like, I mean, it was, it was, it was horror. It was horrific. So I started to cry and, you know, in that moment of desperation and, and just unknowing and fear, something turned on inside of my being, you know, I call it a God intervention, an intervention from, uh, from something outside of, of what I knew or could, could will on my own. But it, it willed me to, I willed myself to try and move my lip and couldn't do it. And I don't know why I tried it again. I tried it again and I couldn't do it. And I did it again and I couldn't do it. And I don't know how many times I tried. I, I wish I could. I wish I had an ability to go back and, and really like look at this time period. I wish somebody could go into my brain and like pull out this memory and make it you know more real and stronger. But I do remember that I tried and tried and I tried until I did it. I moved my lip. By God be my witness. I, I moved my lip where I was able to take the left upper part of my lip and lift it up. Like, and I, and I give it another example. Like if you ever, again, kind of dating myself in 45, like Billy Idol, um, when he had that like lip snarl, like if you're right, saying like right. his lip went up, well, my lip went up and I didn't like, Oh my God. Like I didn't say, Oh my God, it's a miracle. I like moved my lip. I just did it again. And I did it again. And I did it again until I could do it without like, without hesitation, without like almost any effort and went to sleep and I woke up and my parents came to the hospital room. They're like, all right, honey, we're going to go to the, to the, to the doctor's office now. And I said, ma, dad, I was able to move my lip last night. And they're like, okay, we'll make sure you tell the doctor. My parents aren't doctors and they don't know the science of, you know, nerves and whatnot. And so they didn't think it was a miracle, nor did I, but they were like, okay, we'll just tell the doctors. So we get in there and the doctors, again, the neurosurgeon and the NT said, well, you know, this is what we're gonna have to do. And these are the risks and the procedures and da, da, da. And, you know, we need your consent. Let's, we're going to schedule this within the next like few days because we can't wait much longer. And my mom said, okay, well, you know, Stephen was able to move his lip last night. And they said, no, that's impossible. The MRIs and the CAT scan doesn't show that. And my mom said, well, he was Stephen, show him. And I did it. And as I tell this story, if you can see me right now, I'm actually almost in tears because I always brings tears to my eyes, but my hairs on my arm are standing up and the doctors saw me move my lip and their jaws dropped. The ENT walked up to me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, you're a miracle kid wow. and walked out of the room. And the ENT and the neurosurgeon was in disbelief with like, like kind of like a laughter of just like disbelief. What? Yeah. Yeah. And disbelief. And, uh, he made me do it again and again. And he's like, this is unbelievable. I mean, the, it was just something they had never seen before. And they gave me, he gave me a, a, a list of facial exercises to do where I would make sounds like moo, moi, me, and like move my lips so that I would take them through the full ranges of motion. And I did these, like if you were to to, you know, have a, an impaired leg or a knee, like you had knee surgery and you needed to strengthen your quads or your hips or your, or your glutes, like you would do these exercises. And I would just do these exercises for my face day in, day out. 
anytime, all the time, because my why was I am going to be back to where I was and I need to look the way I looked before because looking good at 19 years old was really important. <laughs> um, and that was something that I, you know, looking the way I did, that was my number one priority, to be honest. And so that was what I did. And uh, it was like from that point on was like, that was go time. It was like the green light. It was like, I am now like full throttle, like on my way to recovery and I'm going to do whatever it takes and more and listen to the doctors, but not listen to them as well. And listen to my own instincts and intuition. Yep. My own body to be able to heal from the inside out. And that's where fitness took on its form for me because when I was, I was ambulanced home to New Jersey I was not able to drive. I was on uh, Caesar medication and I had to keep like activity low. I actually slept a lot. I was, I went to cognitive therapy for a while and I had to like, I did that for like three, four months because I did have brain damage. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't able to speak in complete sentences. I didn't have good memory long-term or short-term. Um, and I just had, they didn't think I was going to be able to go back to school. So, you know, I was able to, I was starting to go back to the cognitive therapy and I, I was, you know, sleeping a lot because I was healing and whatnot. But I also, once I could get back into the gym, I did. And I started working out and this time rather than going from looking good or performing like I did before, right? Remember I told you the story of like how I did it in high school. Mm-hmm. I now was doing it to feel good, right? To like build my self-esteem back up. Your self-esteem is like, it's like, it's a huge muscle in your, in your being that requires nurturing. And my self-esteem was broken. It was shattered. You know, I was a, an athletic, I was a good kid. I had, you know, really the world at my fingertips and it was like taken from me in an instant and I needed and wanted that back. So I used exercise as a way to start feeling good about myself and who I was and building myself up again. And from there, I got back into school. I was released from cognitive therapy and the psychiatrist there. And I went back to the University of Maryland and they embraced me back like my university uh, school department. It was at that time, the school of kinesiology, which is a school of human health performance. And now it's called the school of public health. The dean at that time, you know, everybody knew my story because my parents had a call and tell them and they stopped my, you know, stopped my tuition. And I got, we got refunded a little bit for the time that I missed the year that I missed, but I came back and they all wanted to meet me, you know, and I met everybody and people were like, wow, we can't believe you made this rebound and whatnot. So they embraced me and it felt like I was part of a family too. And, you know, my friends that I I left behind also embraced me and were supportive in my process. And as I was working out and, and feeling good, many of them were like, Hey, take me to the gym, show me what you do for this and how you do this. And like, I became a, a role model. I became a peer influencer in and around health and fitness. And it just was an organic, you know, an organic process. And as I got through that first year of getting back into school, which was really tough, <clears throat> again, because my brain was, was broken and I had to learn how to study again and kind of redo things the way, you know, that was, an, it was a whole new way, paradigm of, of learning and, and taking tests and memorizing. But um, I was able to, uh, you know, declare a, a field of subject in my kinesiology program. And it was like, it was, it was more about rehab. Like I was like, yeah, hey, I want to get into rehab. But then I had some friends graduate before me and they were in rehab or they were in chiropractic school because I got held behind and they would call me and they'd be like, Steve, don't do it. You know, like, 
it's not worth it. What you're doing already, and I was studying some of the best like gurus at that time on self-studying, and then I got certified uh, through the American College of Sports Medicine. They're like, you're doing things that we're doing, and like you don't need to go through it if you don't like school and blah blah blah. So at that time, I made a like a, my senior year, I made a decision like I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on like personal training and and this field that I knew was only being like kind of exclusive to the Hollywood help, you know, Hollywood uh, rich and famous. But I was somebody that I wanted to like make this, you know, impact and like bridge the gap between physical therapy and fitness because fitness brought me back and it was physical therapy. It was emotional therapy. It was all therapy. And so that's how and and why I got into that. And that's how I got into the industry. And that's, you know, I I say I fell into it. (laughs) No pun intended. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in the categories of oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. We also were able to achieve number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't gotten your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksandmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. That's such an inspirational story, and uh, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, very My pleasure. Uh, it was very resonant. It resonates a lot with me because I kind of went through the same process and it was very similar in the sense that I was, as I, as I mentioned in my book and as I mentioned on your podcast, the turning point for me was after I had gone through chemotherapy and my body was just in such poor shape. It was just ridden with so much toxins from chemo and polluted. And what really made a spark was when I ran into my personal trainer at the, in the, uh, shop, in the, uh, parking lot of a grocery store and we immediately exchanged some pleasantries and he asked if I wanted to start working out again and it was immediately something that I wanted to start and at that point when we scheduled our first session to work out and I worked out it was the bond the camaraderie that we had plus the feel-good hormones all of those the dopamine and and then all the endorphins were running through my veins after working out it really made me feel so much better that it motivated me to want to work out more, to look better, to feel better, and, and just and to improve my overall physical well-being as well as my mental well-being. And that's what really transformed and jump-started my transformation. And so you kind of shared a little bit about that. So it's very interesting how our lives are paralleled to one another. Of course, mine was you know, 20 years after your incident, but nonetheless, it was still the same parallels. Absolutely. And it could be parallel for anybody at any stage and anything they're dealing with, whether it's, you know, I've also had uh, used exercise and as a tool to help me through a breakup. I had a, you know, a breakup when I was, I guess about eight, nine years ago that I thought this was a girl I was going to marry. And I mean, it was for the first time I was devastated. I mean, I was heartbroken and exercise helped me through the recovery process of that of about a year. And it's, it's so important. Right now, we are, are facing some times 
you know, during this pandemic of COVID-19. And we're in, just to give our listeners a perspective, it's about week five, I think, that we're in quarantine. And a lot of people yeah. are pretty much, a lot of people are abiding and they're stuck at home. There's a lot of people are getting cabin fever and stir crazy. And it's, there's a couple of things that are going on. Some people aren't exercising and some people um, are just confined into their offices or homes and, and making their homes into an office where they're sitting down a lot and probably not using correct posture and probably have this, this hunchback and are probably, you know, also sitting for long periods of time. So they're tightening their hip flexors up and it's just, they're getting into this contracted position and people are probably not able to relieve themselves because they don't have access to a foam roller at home or they don't have access to a massage therapist or a chiropractor to assist with this. So you're this guru of posture and you have this posture uh, program. So for people that are suffering this plight, what would you recommend in, for these people to help facilitate or, strength, or stretch or lengthen their tendons and prevent this this posture neck and, and this forward posture that we're seeing a lot of? Well, I, I, you know, I can't stress enough that you're right. This is a, definitely a time when we are in a position of more of a sedentary life of sitting more and it does wreak havoc on our postures because that's not the way that we were intended to, to be. You know, our human bodies were meant to stand, squat, run, walk, twist, rotate, lunge, push, press, you know, and we're not doing any of that. We're just sitting still with our hands up on a computer screen, you know, and head down. It's causing, you know, overload in these tendons and joints and ligaments and causing disformation in, in the tissues. And we need to restore that. And the good news is that you can, through simple exercises, the consistency of simple exercises. I don't want to actually, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound easier than it is. They are simple exercises, but it's the consistency of those exercises that's going to be important, right? So when you're sitting down, sitting down for five minutes or 30 minutes isn't bad, but it's sitting down for four hours or five hours or six hours is bad when, the, when you have the same posture. Well, it's the same thing to counterbalance that. You need to do something that is going to work opposite of some of those positions that you're put into. And you do them consistently. It could be a morning, afternoon, and evening program for five, ten minutes that will help to keep your body at a better in a better position with better posture. As you had told everybody in the in the introduction, the foam roller. Yes, you know, 18 years ago, I was introduced to the foam roller probably 20, 21 years ago, and was using it in my practice and was having some great success with it. Um, it was a love hate relationship that people had with it because it hurt so. It hurt a lot when they first started to use it, but it felt good. I always said, like, it hurts so good. After yeah. you're done using it, you actually feel better. You feel looser. Your body feels more mobile. And there was somebody that I knew in New York when I was working and living there who saw me using this day in, day out. And he said, you know, this is a really interesting tool. Out of all the gyms that I go to, he was a group exercise instructor, one of the leading group exercise instructors. He goes, you know, I go to 10 different clubs throughout the city, all top notch you're the only one I see using this. And he goes, you should think about doing a program with this, you know? And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Thanks for that insight. So I was always into posture. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know why, but I just 
intuitively knew posture was something good. Maybe because some of my friends were chiropractors and they were going to chiropractic school, but I, I felt like you could ma manipulate your posture through exercises. It was an intuition again, just through understanding the, the, the human body and the biomechanics and physics of it, that you can manipulate it through exercise and stretching and being able to maintain it. So I created this program called Posture Perfect. It was called Steve Jordan's Posture Perfect Program. Um, I created a video and it was a VHS video that dates it back. And it was a manual and two foam rollers. It was the one foot foam roller, uh, which I called the Posture Pillar One, and then the three foot foam roller, which I called the Posture Pillar Two. The one was more for travel use. So if you were to travel, you'd put it in your bag or carry on and take it with you so you can continue your, your program. And uh, I sold it as a kit and I sold it like to a bunch of health and fitness magazines and trade magazines. And, you know, it just took on a life of its own and, and it really started to pick up momentum and men's fitness, as you said, did a feature article on it. Um, and it was a seven page spread that was first time foam rollers was ever introduced into the public eye in a way that, you know, we see it today where, like you said, it's everywhere. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a program that begins with a foam roller. You use the foam roller like a massage. Mm -hmm. So you, you apply it to certain areas like your calves, you, the front of your thighs, the quadriceps, your hips, uh, your IT band, which runs along the side of your, of your leg, uh, your shoulders underneath, like your, underneath your armpit area, your pecs, uh, where you're, you know, on the front of your shoulders and even your neck. And there's so many different ways to apply it and use it and help to lengthen and restore the tissue's health and be able to get more mobility out of that tissue and increase circulation. And then the next part is there's, uh, static stretching exercises when you do the foam roll before you do a static stretch you get better length into the tissue and you have more lasting length because when you foam roll you break up areas in the muscle called adhesions adhesions are areas where collagen which is an inelastic protein binds up in the muscle fiber and causes a almost like a cast or a knot like you would a knot in your fabric of your t-shirt and like that a trigger knot, point. yeah, a trigger point, a trigger point or a pressure point, it becomes an area where it's immobile, where that fiber doesn't want to move and it stays stuck and gluey. And what you do with the foam roller, if you're doing the technique right, is you open that up and you allow for that adhesion to break and you get restore the function of that tissue. And when you static stretch after, you're now getting stretchability and plastic and hopefully you know plastic change which is change that lasts and holds over the whole tissue of the muscle rather than the healthy tissues of the muscle you're now making the whole muscle you know more healthy and you're going to have better lasting results so you do the foam rolling and then you do static stretching and then you do specific strengthening exercises that use your body weight and gravity and very specific movements that strengthen muscles that are weakened because of those muscles that were tight. So when you have poor posture, you have weak muscles and you have strong muscles. The strong muscles are usually the tight ones that are actually working too much. There's too much tension in them. When you foam roll and stretch, you release that, that tension. And now the, the muscles that are weak that have been inhibited now can be more activated because you have new length in the, in the joints 
And now we work on those muscles and we strengthen them doing very specific, again, exercises with higher reps and slower movement to actualize and, and activate those muscles. And you get that now strength in the muscle. And now you've got length and strength, which causes and creates better posture. And that's so important uh, of a routine to implement on a daily basis, specifically when we're in confined positions for long periods of time, whether even if we're not in this quarantine time period and time frame where, we're, where we have to be sitting a lot or we're, we're most likely have a tendency to sit more than not. Even still, aside from that, people are still working from home and they're sitting in their office as a lot of people are doing work from their computer. And so it's important for everyone to really focus on improving their posture by these techniques. And not to mention, it's, it's also as a society, we are like anterior or, or forward dominant in the sense that we, are, we move forward, we do everything where we are utilizing the front part of our body. We really neglect our posterior or a posterior chain muscles. And it's important that we need to have a balance and not to have a, uh, an imbalance where we have one side that's stronger than the other. Am I correct? With, oh, with absolutely. That it's more than assumption. It's a fact. It's uh, an absolute fact. And you're, you're right. And the first, you, that's the, a question in the beginning. And I kind of glanced over it. I want to come back to it. Like, how do you, you know, help somebody who has these, you know, these, who sits all day and who's doing everything like you had just said, and with poor posture first is awareness, you know, before all the exercises and everything I just explained about my posture perfect program, it's being aware, right? Awareness creates change or the want to change. And that's where you need to start first. So what you just expressed there, you know, if you can sit down and or look at yourself in a mirror and say, I'm sitting long and I'm, I need to move my body more, but I don't know how to move it in the right way. And how do I combat this? Like you're building a foundation, right? And when you do the posture perfect program or any program that's helping to improve posture, you're building a new foundation, a stronger foundation, just like your house. If you were to build a brand new house today and you were to, you know, fast forward 20, 30 years from now, even five or 10 years or 20 years from now, you have to maintain that house. You have to make sure the, the, the structure of it is fine. It's going to have to, it's going to weather lots of storms, you know, no pun intended, rain, winds, snow, sleet, and anything else, other conditions in the environment. You have to maintain it and keep it, keep, you know, putting the, the love into it so that it will stand for a hundred years. Well, mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen, we're living longer than ever. And my hope is that I'm going to live to a hundred or more. And I want to make sure that my body is in is optimal shape and form and it needs to start from the foundation. So, you know, I continue to do these posture perfect programs day in and day out. I do them several times a day because it's a part of most, if not all of my clients programs. And I do it with them in the warm up just to help them kind of see what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm fortunate that it's part of my lifestyle and I make it an everyday part of my routine and my work. But, you know, even if it's not, you're not lucky to have that opportunity, you can treat other areas in your life to be able to do it. So I would always say like first thing in the morning when you wake up, you know, go to the bathroom and then do two, three minutes of, of some stretches. Um, they don't, you don't have to go through the whole program. You don't have to do the foam roller and the static stretches and then strength exercises. Just do a part of it. You know, if you can do that, that's more ideal. 
but you might want to just stretch in your bathroom, your hips, open up your hips, open up your calves, open up your shoulders, move your shoulders and your neck just to get mobility and rotation and get some circulation after your body's been, you know, sitting for a while or laying down for sleeping for a while. Anything will be beneficial if you just do what's right and you know what you're doing because you can do something and it may not be helpful. You got to, it's like throwing a, a dart at a target you can't see with your eyes closed. You right. got to know what your, what your target is and what are the right exercises. There's thousands of exercises out there. Not all of them are intended to help your posture. So it's important to, to do that. I agree 100%. It's, it, I can't stress enough the importance of, of maintaining a good posture, loosening up the muscles um, with the foam roller and with some static stretching exercises. It's absolutely important for everyone to implement. When I was going through uh, chemo, it was, it was, I was going through cycles one and a half days a month for five to six months. I became really deteriorated. My cardiovascular condition were, and was, was very poor. I became increasingly deconditioned as, as more time had passed with each uh, session of chemo. And I wish I had implemented more of an aggressive exercise program routine that really would have just opened my, my body up instead of really increasing this forward slouching posture that I started to develop. And a simple thing would have been just to get a foam roller and just been on the foam roller and using it on the front side of my body. And as you mentioned, the quads, quads, the, the chest to the shoulders, the lats on the backside, the glutes and, and the hamstrings and calves. And it's just, it would have just been really nice to perform that in of itself because that would have been enough exercise for me to increase the circulation, to help move blood and to eliminate the toxins and get more oxygen flowing into my organs. And I didn't do that. And, but in my book, what I suggest for people to do is to do things such as walking. You know, when you're in a state of, of uh, disease and in, in, such as cancer, in which you really have, don't have the capacity to do much, it's still good to encourage regular movement and in this case, I would, I would also, is there any harm in using a foam roller for people that are going through chemotherapy or any type of other infusions for chronic diseases? And that's a loaded question. I, I, I hesitate to answer no. My instinct is to say no, because there's all different ways of applying it. You know, you can do soft to hard. There's different types of foam rollers out there. But I would say it, it uh, talk to your physician first. And find out from your doctor if, even if they don't know what foam rolling is, I mean, most physicians, God, I hope they know what that is not by now, but you should ask them. And if they don't know what it is, just say, you know, a massage. If, can I get a massage or can I have a self-induced massage? That would be, you know, another Sufficient. way of framing it so that they wouldn't understand. But I think, you know, I, I would say probably for most and would what type of exercise would you would you recommend for people who are going through periods of deconditioning, whether it's some sort of rehab process similar to what you went through, or whether they're going through chemo and and you know would you advocate for some sort of you know simple low impact walking that kind of exercise or what would be the optimal thing for people to be doing on a regular basis hundred percent I, I think that you know, movement is medicine. And, and I think, I know movement is medicine. It worked for me. It's worked for thousands of clients that I've worked with through the years who have had conditions that doctors were blown away by what they were able to do and overcome 
with the proper movement and consistency of movement. What I would recommend people to do is do what you are familiar with if you're in that position. If you're somebody that likes to walk, well, then walk. Don't run. If you like to run, well, then run. If you like to row, row. If you like to do abs and work out in the gym, well, then do that. But do it within, like you had just said, low impact, low, like a low intensity while your body is healing and going through the, you know, the recovery of chemo or other conditions or treatments from other diseases. You want to, because exercise can be a stress in of itself. You know, I think today, and I'm glad I'm bringing this up because people think that exercise, all types of exercise is good. It's not, right? Well, uh, you know, we're in a world right now where more is better. You know, I think that this COVID is helping to shift that, but high intensity training is a like a buzzword and everybody's doing it and all the fitness studios opening up, you know, it's like every day I'm seeing a new, new franchise opening of some kind of high intensity workout in 30 minutes. These are great and they're fun and they're cool and they, they keep you moving and sexy. But what they also do is they stress you more as well. Mm -hmm. If you're already stressed from chemo or other treatments from disease, or you're just overworked and you know, not sleeping and or just stressed because of what's going on or whatever your condition is, then a high intensity program is not for you. So a lower intensity, like you suggested, is a better, better use of your time and will benefit you more long term, even though you may not get those high endorphin rushes from it, you know, just maybe increase your time, rather than walking for 30 minutes, walk for an hour, um, and build it up over time, you'll see within weeks, months, you'll start to increase your intensity. And as you recover, um, or you get the green light from your physicians, you know, to move or do more, then you can go ahead and do that. But don't try and go ahead and do too much too soon, because you can actually have, you know, negative effects and reverse, you know, some of the benefits of, of exercise. And that's such a key point here is everyone wants to jump into some sort of activity or take the next supplement, you know, and, and because they hear it's the, it's the best thing to do to boost your immune system or to reduce your chances from deteriorating from a chronic disease condition. And it's really important that we need to uh, emphasize that when you're doing exercise, more is not always the answer here. And we want to be, especially for a person who is unfamiliar with exercising, who doesn't exercise on a regular basis, you don't want that person to immediately go into what you were telling, what you were describing as a high-intensity program workout and destroy their body. In fact, there have been studies that actually show that if you're in situations such as like running like a marathon or a half half a marathon you know for even the fittest people there have been sh- studies that actually showed that there is an impairment in the immune system for a few days to a week right after a, a marathon running a marathon and this is for people who are trained to run marathons and so that's why we we just don't want to emphasize the practice of doing more it, it's basically building yourself and building your body up to be able to tolerate those types of exercises like the high intensity that we were talking about earlier absolutely and there was this recent study that um came out a few days ago about how important it is to really maintain some type of exercise regimen during these times of the COVID virus. And specifically, they were talking about how exercising our muscles and our body increases this antioxidant that's called uh, superoxide dismutase. And it's, it's, a, it's basically an antioxidant that really helps the body and fights the body 
for infections such as um, the COVID and helps prevent conditions and complications from COVID, which is what's, what's causing these problems and deaths. And that's known as acute respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS for short. And it was really interesting. This article pointed out that this enzyme that was created and increased by exercise really showed that our bodies can fight the disease and can and actually rebound a lot quicker. And I thought that was interesting. And, and it's, it, it's actually, we've always known the, bo- the body benefits from exercise. And the study is even a testament to show that even with the virus such as the COVID-19, you know, we're in this infection that we're, we're seeing people fight. We see that people rebound quicker and I'm, and I'm almost curious as to what really caused them to rebound quicker. And I, I'm assuming that a lot of it has to do with their exercise regimen, their diet, their lifestyle. And it's good to know that we have some evidence that exercise does help facilitate a better recovery and may even in some cases prevent even the, in the body developing and this, this infection to begin with. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's really important in this time period to understand that. And, you know, even outside of that study, you know, the studies that they're also showing are the ones that are contracting it and, and losing life or having really very bad symptoms from it are those that are unhealthy, that don't have good positive lifestyles, that have respiratory issues. I mean, these people are probably, they're not the ones running out. I mean, there's, of course, there's always exceptions, but the majority of them are not going out you know, being able to run a mile, right? They're probably can't even walk a mile. You know, they're right. older, obviously, they're, they're just their health and their fitness is not a priority in their life. Exactly. And I think that's the change that I hope that people will start to gravitate towards after we come out of this. I think there's going to be a whole new changes for people. People are going to want to get more information on how to improve their overall health and wellness. It's people like us that's going to help people that are interested in improving their bodies and preventing disease. And, I, and I'm really looking forward to, to helping people and increase their awareness and education. Well, you're doing a great job here, Dr. Diva, and, and I'm grateful to be a part of this conversation and the awareness that we're bringing to people's attention in and around posture and health and wellness during a time like this. I, you know, the statistics are showing that, you know, home workouts are now becoming a part of uh, you know, a normal conversation and going back to big gyms may not be you know, as accepted as it once was. I mean, the gym owners and big gym owners, and I'm a gym owner, but a small boutique gym, you know, are hopeful that it is, but there's a very good possibility that it's not. I know many of my clients are you know, strongly considered in continuing the online training we're doing. And I've created several programs to facilitate that and to harness this opportunity. And one is recreating my Posture Perfect program that I'm calling Posture Perfect 2.0. And it's now on my website at stevejordan.com. And it's, uh, I've reduced the price to $29.99. It was $79.99 during this time when people you know, need help financially and need more health and wellness. Uh, and it's what we've been talking about in this conversation. It's the foam rolling uh, the, the stretch static stretches and the exercises that are specific to strengthen muscles that are weak to help you have better posture and really honestly overall general health and fitness. Although it's a posture perfect program that helps you focus on that, it's if you do it with the intention to build posture, great, awesome. You will have that, no doubt, 100% guaranteed. 
But if you also go into it with the intention of having better health and feeling better, you will absolutely have that as well. You kind of can't have one without the other. I mean, when you start working on yourself and doing things that are supporting uh, yourself, you're going to start picking up better habits. You'll start finding yourself wanting, you'll, you'll, wanting to or actually sleeping better, eating better, making better lifestyle choices that play into the whole conversation and the, the, the whole program of living a healthy and fit life. So yeah. please check out my website you know, and, and order that program. And if you have any questions, there's actually one free day. If you sign up, you'll get a, a one-day program for free to see how it works. And if you want a foam roller, go on the Amazon. The Amazon has several different options to choose from. Now, I mean, foam rollers are, you can get them for as low as $10, $12. And they can, you know, cost you up to $50, $60, depending upon what kind of model and uh, what kind of kind of unique difference it is. Uh, some vibrate, some have knobs. I would just recommend a black hard foam density. It'll, it'll run you around $18. Uh, one foot is fine. You don't need a three foot one. There's benefit to having a three foot one, but just having a one foot one will benefit anything you do in the posture perfect program. And it's portable. So you can take it with you when we are able to resume traveling. Absolutely. Awesome. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate you being a guest on my podcast and sharing these tips that are going to help a lot of people who are forced to be restricted in their homes and, and leading sedentary lives that we know that we need to be more active and, and move that blood and really just kind of flush out these toxins that are stored and, and improve oxygenation. And that's really important. I'm glad you have a program that's out there that can help facilitate all these and, and get rid of people's knots and improve people's postures. And it's such an important tool that we need to do now and, in, and even in the future after we get out of these uh, social restrictions that we're, that we're dealing with right now. Uh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. I'm grateful that I'm able to share my story and offer the opportunity to help people. And uh, I think what you're doing is awesome as well. And thank you for uh, asking me to be on your show. And one more time, what's the name of your website and how, how can people find you? SteveJordan.com is the website. And if you go into the tabs on the top, you'll see online programs and you'll see several of them. Posture Perfect 2.0 is the one we've been talking about. You can also follow me on Instagram at Steve Jordan Lifestyle and uh, Facebook, Steve Jordan uh, Fitness. And uh, you can reach me at Steve at SteveJordan.com. If you have any questions or comments, I'm happy to answer those for you. Awesome. Thanks again, Steve. Take care. Thank you very much.